right, good evening. Welcome to Parkview. My name is Doug. I'm one of the pastors here, and I love this night. Like, it is a great night to celebrate together um, an incredibly significant birth that God himself came to be on this earth, to be God with us. And so um, I got to sit with my family last hour and a lot of memories as a child growing up with my family on this evening. And so it's a great privilege to share this night with you. And, and I know for some of us, we're maybe not with some family we would love to be with tonight and um, just know that God knows that. He's a God of all comfort. He's a God who is very present and with us. And so um, I'm learning to ask a question when sometimes people say, I don't believe in God. And I'm learning to say, well, tell me about the God you don't believe in. Something I read a couple months ago has kind of jarred that response. Um, What I read was there are over 2,200 gods these days. And so it could be that the person who doesn't believe in God really isn't believing in the true God. And so tonight puts the true God on display, that God himself came to be with us because he is for us. He came to be uh, our savior, to be our comforter, to be our strength and our hope. And I believe in a God that does that. He's a very good God to us tonight. And so we're here to celebrate really with maybe two billion people on this planet who are also celebrating the same event, the birth of Jesus Christ God's son. So that's really awesome. There was a guy, this might be a little dated reference now, but there was a guy that used to work with CNN named Larry King. And he, over his like 30 or 40 year career, got to interview all the political uh, Hollywood stars, uh, world leaders. And somebody asked him one time, like, which interview do you wish you could have conducted? Like you've interviewed so many famous people over the years. What's the interview you missed? And he said, I would love to have interviewed Jesus of Nazareth. And they said, well, what would you have asked him? He said, I would have asked him, were you virgin born? Because if he was, that changes everything. And as far as I know, Larry King still does not, did not follow Jesus, never has. But I could give him an answer to that. And that answer is yes, that Jesus was virgin born, that he truly is the son of God. And that is what unites us tonight. Like who would have imagined that a peasant born in a barn and laid in a trough would become as famous as Jesus. More songs have been written about Jesus than any other person that ever lived. More books have been written about Jesus than any other person that ever lived. In fact, if you trace the story of Jesus, and maybe you know that after about 30 years of public ministry, they crucified him on a Roman cross and laid him in a tomb. Let's say we were there one day after Jesus was in the tomb. And of course, three days later, he rose. But let's say after day one of Jesus being dead, you were asked to make a vote. Like, who would you imagine will have the greatest significance moving forward? This dead peasant who's now in the ground or the Roman Empire? And so, if you know, most likely, even those of us that may have had an emotional attachment to Jesus would, would probably have to lean in with not the buried a dead uh, peasant, even as noble as he may have been. But what's astonishing is that Jesus rose again from the dead, and that's why today, again, two, two billion people are worshiping this night with us, that Jesus came and that Jesus is alive. And so um, if you're new to this, I welcome you tonight to this short conversation about what Jesus has done for us, this nativity that we celebrate Parkview family, it's a great honor to be with you. I love being your pastor, and I love this church, 
And I love reviewing these truths that are the, the core of our faith, all right? So we've been doing this series called Nativity, and Nativity basically is a birth story, okay? So you have a Nativity story. It's just that your story didn't, like, have sets made of it, right? There's not, like, you in a hospital at Mercy Hospital or wherever, and your mom and dad and maybe some grandparents there. Like, when they talk about the Nativity, they're talking about the greatest birth story that has ever happened. God came to earth, through Jesus Christ, all right? And so, so this is my family's nativity set. Like, we, they brought it for me last hour, and we set it up, and we, they're not too dusty. Like, we've had this uh, since um, Lori and I first got married. About our third year into marriage, somebody gifted us with a trip to the Holy Land. And so not to one-up your nativity set, but this nativity set is literally from Bethlehem. Like, it's still wrapped in the Arabic newspapers from, from Bethlehem, in that, from that shop, all right? And so, so top that, right? No, so, um, so it was really an honor to get this, and when we lay it out, we do this. It was funny, on that trip, um, there was a guy that at the beginning of the trip, I don't know that he really knew Jesus, but he, he did let us know that he was incredibly wealthy. So we kept hearing about this guy's exploits, but what was amazing is watching this guy's heart change as he went through the Holy Land and heard different stories about Jesus to where this, the stop in Bethlehem was one of our last. And by then, you just sensed a whole different view of this guy. So what he did to honor God was he bought the biggest nativity set he could find there. Like literally, there was Mary and Joseph's like carved out of this olive wood like three or four feet high. Like this about broke our bank as a young married couple like getting this, you know? And then I look over there and it's like, whoa. And so I don't know how he got those home. If he had like separate plane tickets, you know, Mary, <laughs> Joseph, Shepherd one, you know, wise man one. So I don't know how he got them home, but they were big. Like it, it was just incredibly in awe of that. So, um, but really this whole nativity story uh, has been fun to trace over the last couple of weeks. So like we talked about Mary right here, right? That most likely we think Mary was like a teenage girl that when she was told the plan that she was going to be the mother of God, that she showed amazing faith and trust in God, where she said, I am the Lord's servant. And so we really acknowledged her massive faith in stepping out and being obedient to God and his plan. We talked about Joseph, who most likely would have known Mary for a long time. And so here he is, ready to marry his, his longtime sweetheart. He had his plans for their marriage. And then when God revealed to him that Mary was pregnant with the Son of God and just realizing all that that would carry, he went with God's plan. He laid, his side, laid aside his plans to follow God's plans. Now, you can tell probably this angel isn't from Bethlehem. Like, I think it's from one of our grandmas actually made this. And so, but we talked about the angel's role in the nativity, how angels were amazing creatures that God made. They're very powerful, and they're used by God to serve God's people. But the primary role we saw of the angels in the nativity story is that they're messengers. They're telling us, about the amazing news that God is coming to earth through Jesus. So we looked at the angels. Uh, yesterday, we talked about the wise men, how they followed signs that God had given them. They were very educated and traveled a long distance seeking God. And we talked about, like any of us today, that seek God. God will give you signs because God wants you to find him. We didn't have a sermon about camels, but there's that guy. I think he was thrown in as a package deal. He's a little bit different than the rest of them. Um, but this whole nativity story culminates tonight in Jesus. 
right? He's the star of this show. And so every year, not so much anymore, my kids are in college and high school, but when they were younger, we have this box that all these sets are in. And so they would pull out one at a time and then unwrap it. And always like the prize was, who's going to get Jesus this year? Like who's the one to open the Jesus one? And they started catching on that the longer oblong ones are maybe going to be one of these guys, right? And so they start going for the smaller pieces first. But but tonight, Jesus is going to be our attention and our focus. And so if I could ask you to stand, we're going to read uh, some key verses in the Christmas story, and I want you to lock in on what they say about Jesus tonight, okay? So it's Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 14. And it says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Let me just pray for us. Jesus, would you help us see you tonight in the ways that the angel announced you, that you are Savior Christ and Lord. And may this strike us tonight. This is not just a history lesson of what happened in the past, although these events are true, but these truths are meant to change us and enlighten us and empower us tonight. So would you please do that for your people here that you greatly love. In your great name we pray. Amen. All right, you guys can grab a seat. And so we're going to look at those three titles of Jesus that the angels announced that he is Savior, Christ, and Lord. And this is the only place in the Bible, the only sentence where in one sentence, all three words are strung together. Savior, Christ, and Lord. Remember, the angel said that because he is Savior, Christ, and Lord, that is good news. It's great joy for all people. It's like there's no one in this room tonight that this does not uh, apply to you, all right? This, this is good news for you. And so if you're um, a child here tonight, sitting with your parents, we're going to do this. We're going to talk about Jesus, Savior, Christ, and Lord. And then I'm going to give four analogies or four illustrations, four pictures of what it means for Jesus to be Savior, Christ, and Lord. So kids here tonight, your moms and dads sometimes forget things. So let's see if tonight you can remember the, th the four pictures of who Jesus is as Savior, Christ, and Lord, okay? Let's talk about Jesus being Savior first. Okay, here's, this is kind of some sobering news right up front. If Jesus is our Savior, that implies that there's something wrong with us. Like there's something broken. If we need a Savior, that's implying that we don't just need a touch-up or a little tweak. Like we need to be rescued. Like there is something wrong. There is something broken. Like there's a danger coming our way to the fact that God himself had to come to this earth and save us, okay? So if you dig a little deeper into the Bible story, you say, okay, what, is, what do we need to be saved from? Like, why are we in trouble? And the Bible says this, that we, every one of us in this room, we're created by God. Like, we're loved by God. We're created in his image. We're valuable to him. We're treasured by him. So, but the Bible just is very honest with us and says that all of us have rejected God in some way, that we've either not been grateful to him or we've forgotten him or we've done our thing instead of his. 
that all those are expressions of rejection of God. That the Bible unfortunately says that every one of us has rejected God in some form. And you can see that in the way that we treat each other. And you can see what that's done in our world, where you see a world of turmoil and chaos, and you see disease, and you see death, and all things that were not intended in the world that God made. And so that is evidence that we need rescue. We need a Savior. And so here's an illustration of that. The first illustration is going to be a Christmas tree, okay? So how many of you guys have real Christmas trees in your home? Not the fake ones that we've got now, but the, like a real one, okay? What is, isn't it so cool, like the first, maybe the first even up to a week that you get that uh, cut Christmas tree in your house? Like it smells good, doesn't it? Just... Ah, that whatever spruce or pine smell just smells so good in, in the home. But let's be really honest. Um, well, first, okay, we get that thing in our room, in our living room, wherever it is, and we really deck it out, right? Like ornaments, and my kids have ornaments that they've made over the years or different places we've gone. We've got memories, and we'll put that up on the tree, and there's lights. We try to make it as good as we can, right? As we try to dress it up. Um, but the problem is that tree just day after day is starting to die more and more. Like it is dead because it's been cut off. And so there'll be more needles to sweep up underwards. And then so even like, let's be honest, in two or three weeks from now, where's that tree going to be? It's eventually going to be on a curb somewhere, right? Or like when I grew up in the country, a dead Christmas tree was fun to catch on fire. Man, that thing would just be gone, right? Just like that with all the dry needles. Like that was really cool. But, but, um, and so maybe that's a little bit kind of a description of us, that we have been, because of sin, because we've rejected God, we're, the Bible says we're cut off from God and the life that he intends us to have. And so sometimes we try to pretty ourselves up. We try to look as good as we can. We try to achieve as much as we can. But the reality is that when we're cut off from God, we are not enjoying the life that he has given us in this life. And so physically our bodies age and, and break down, and we walk through hard things in our lives, and so, and we'll do all we can to make it look like it's fine. Like, um, you know, isn't it, it's kind of cool to get everybody's Christmas cards, right, with the pictures of their family, and everything looks great, but does it, maybe does it start wearing on you that everybody's family looks awesome, and maybe you don't realize yours? Like, so there's a family in Texas, I don't know if you've caught this in the news, but the last 16 years, they've done like the opposite kind of family Christmas card. I don't know if you can see this one very well, but this one has, they look like they're all from Iowa, and they got sunburned like crazy, and their names are Ruby, Red, Scarlet, and Rose, and they just have massive sun burn, like they're just red and like these white streaks and they're saying Merry Christmas from paradise. Like, so I don't know, you could probably Google that and just see the last 16 years they've tried to do kind of a spoof on everybody else's Christmas cards, right? And making everything look great. And so we can try to impress each other, and, but really on the inside, apart from God, we're just, we're dying. And so the analogy there is we're like Christmas trees that we may look good for a while, but we are actually cut off from life. And so And so that's the first analogy, and that's why we need a Savior. And so Jesus is the center of this story in that he came into our mess. He came to rescue us, and so we need a Savior. When the angel told Joseph what was going on here with Mary, he said this. He said, Mary will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus knew what he was getting into. He knew what his mission was. When he came to this earth, he came to save sinful people like you and me. He came to save us. 
and rescue us. And that's the God we worship. He loves us, and he moved toward us in our rebellion, in our brokenness. Jesus came to us. And so here's the second analogy. If the first one is a Christmas tree, the second one I want you to think of is a wedding. A wedding, okay? As a pastor, I had the privilege this year, I think I did four weddings. One was delayed for an hour and a half because a hairdresser had some issues. I've never had that happen before. But other than that, like they were all great weddings and a great privilege to be a part of. So what would you picture as the epic fairy tale wedding? Maybe like Princess Bride, it's like one of your favorite movies and, you know, wedding pictures there. Um, imagine, though, like maybe a narrative of the epic fairy tale wedding where a prince or a princess, a person of power and wealth and means, married a person who had absolutely nothing, a pauper, somebody from a very poor background. Like those, those are especially uh, inspiring wedding stories, right? And so I don't know if you know this, but the Bible begins with a wedding, Adam and Eve, and then it ends with a wedding. Uh, Jesus, being the bridegroom, coming and offering to be married to his people. Like the picture of our relationship with Jesus is the picture of a wedding, that someone is laying down his life and inviting us into a love relationship with him for all of eternity. And so at a wedding, when there's an exchange of vows, basically the bride and groom are saying to each other, all that I am I'm giving to you, and all that I have, I'm giving to you. And so even in that prince and pauper, or princess and pauper kind of story, like somebody with great wealth and means is offering everything they have to one who has nothing. That's exactly the wedding that Jesus is inviting us into, the marriage relationship with him, where he is the sinless, perfect son of God, with access to God the Father, with an inheritance in heaven. And here we are, we have nothing in comparison. All we have to show for ourselves is that we have rebelled against this amazing God who made us. Like we just carry with us a load of debt and guilt and shame. And Jesus sees us and says, I still love you. Like I am giving my life for you. So you give me your sin, your shame, your grief, your sadness, your brokenness. Let me give you my life and access to my Father and to heaven and all that I have. Like that, that is an amazing picture of the salvation that our Savior, Christ the Lord, is offering us tonight. All right? Isn't that cool? So he is Savior, Christ, and Lord. And we've just seen two pictures to help us understand Savior. We're like a Christmas tree, and Jesus' relationship with us is like a wedding. It's like a marriage in what he's offering us. So the angels also said that Jesus is Savior, and then he said Christ and Lord, okay? So we need to understand that Christ is not Jesus' last name. Like if you're looking him up in a phone book, don't look under C, like to find Christ Jesus, right? So Christ is a title for Jesus. It was one in the Old Testament that people were looking forward to a Messiah or an anointed one, one that would have God's approval and empowerment to come and be a king who would conquer enemies for God's people. So Christ and Lord pictures a promised, coming, empowered one who would defeat all of our enemies. Okay, that's who Jesus Christ and Lord is. In fact, when Jesus first went public with his ministry, he opened up an Old Testament and he started reading from Luke chapter 4. And he said the Spirit, it was actually a prophecy about Jesus and what he would come to do. And so he's reading about himself 
And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and the oppressed, and to give sight to the blind. And Jesus said, I'm he. Like the one who's reading this to you, I am in your midst. Like he identified with Messiah. Now anybody can say that, but Jesus proved it by the way he lived his life. And he defeated our greatest enemies. He defeated disease. He defeated death. And ultimately, he proved that he is Lord by his resurrection. After he died, he rose again from the dead. He is truly Christ in Lord and that he came to defeat our greatest enemies. So here's my third analogy. Iowa football fans, you'll love this one. This one is a champion. The picture of a champion. Let's, let's, let's pretend that the Hawkeyes are going to announce next week an amazing recruit. He is six foot six, 250 pounds. He can run a 40-yard dash in under four seconds. His name is Hoke Thomas, and he is strong. He plays offense and defense. In fact, when the NCAA figures out we recruited Hoke Thomas, they're going to make us change our schedule. We can't play the teams we scheduled on our original schedule. So here's our schedule for next year. We will beat Iowa State as a tune-up, 80 to nothing, but then we're gonna beat Clemson 96 to nothing, and Notre Dame is finally gonna get beat by a Big Ten team early in the season so they don't slip into the Final Four every year, those turkeys, So like, because they don't play anybody else. And then we're gonna beat LSU, because that's Jeff's favorite school, so we got them. We're gonna love seeing Michigan State and Michigan just go down hard and see Jim Harbaugh just bawling on the sideline. We're gonna love that. And then Penn State, Ohio State, we've already rolled once before, but we'll do that again. And then, oh, isn't it gonna be sweet to see Wisconsin go down 180 to nothing. And when they do that jump around in the fourth quarter, there won't be anybody there except one big old drunk guy just jumping around. Cause they'll all be gone, it's 180 to nothing. And so Northwestern Minnesota, we'll take it easy on them. Purdue, and we'll crush Oklahoma. And here's how bad it'll get. We'll be so awesome. They'll just put us right into the Super Bowl and we'll beat the Patriots. Like, I hate the Patriots. We're gonna roll the Patriots, sorry Nate and Ned if you're here tonight, 200 to nothing. Like it's gonna be amazing. So, so here's what's gonna happen when that happens is that anybody that's a Hawkeye fan, man, you're gonna go out and buy t-shirts like crazy. They'll say, we are the national champions. Like I see them trying to sell Outback Bowl shirts for the third time in six years. I just don't think those are gonna sell anymore. Like, unless you put duct tape over the year, like we go there every other year, it seems like. But this one, you will have no trouble selling the t-shirts like we are the champions, right? But here's the deal, like if you catch that, we're saying like we are the champions. And somebody might look at you and say like, okay, so um, how many of those points did you score? Like, I don't remember seeing somebody like you on the field. Like, I remember Hope Thomas, like, scoring all those points. But I don't remember seeing you. Like, how are you saying we won? Guys, that's the amazing thing about what Jesus done. It was good news, great joy for all people, for unto you, unto me, a Savior is born. Like, what Jesus did wasn't just to impress us, or just like from the distance to say, I bet you all wish you could do this, like what I could do. No, no, no. Like he died for us. He came to live with us. He came, the, the, the Christian life is described as being in Christ. Like what you were invited into is to be a part of what Jesus did. So you can say, we have conquered sin and death. 
Like we have conquered our greatest enemies far greater than the Buckeyes and the Wolverines. Like we have conquered the the greatest enemies that have faced humanity from the get-go because Jesus Christ, Savior Christ and Lord, died for us. Like that's the amazing thing about the gospel is that when you believe in Jesus, all that he did and all that he accomplished is, is attributed to you. It's like you did it. And so when God looks at you, if you are in Jesus, he sees you as a champion. He sees you as one who has not sinned because you don't stand on your achievements, you stand on his. So you can say, Jesus is my champion, he is my savior, he is my Christ, he is my Lord, and I, I have overcome those enemies too. We have won the victory. Guys, that is, that is amazing. And I hope that sinks in. And I hope that it's not just another Christmas Eve and we're just going through the motions and now we're going to do, but, but he is Savior Christ and Lord. We are Christmas trees, um, but Jesus is offering us the most epic wedding story where he gives his life for us. All that he has is ours. And he is our champion. He has defeated our greatest enemies. And so the last picture we need to understand here is a picture of a present and a gift. So how many of you guys go home and open presents tonight? Like your Christmas Eve openers, okay? Or maybe you, maybe you just open one, right? Or you do stockings tonight. But how many of you, delayed gratification people, like you put it off till tomorrow. Like how many people are opening gifts tomorrow? Okay, you're, you're cool either way. But here's the deal. Like when you, when you get your first gift tomorrow, like you're probably, there would be something a little bit broken here. If you would like look at the person who gave you that gift, it's like, okay, no, seriously, like what do you want me to do? Like before I open this, you want me to go wash your car? Like you want me to sweep up or something? Or uh, are you sure? It's like, no, just open it. Like I, I gave that to you. Like, like this whole gospel, this whole thing that Jesus did for us is described in the Bible as a gift. In fact, maybe you heard in one of our earlier readings from John 1.12, the Bible says, but to all who received him, to those he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. So if you say, okay, how do I take what Jesus did and, and make sure it applies to me? Well, it's just like taking a gift. You, I'd say a couple things. You have to acknowledge that you need a savior. You have to acknowledge uh, that you have walked from God, you've rebelled against God, that you are cut off from the life that God is offering, that you have sinned, the Bible would say. You have to admit that. But then you have to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is who he said he was that he came to save you, that he came to forgive you, that he came to give you life. The Bible describes that as faith, that you trust in him to forgive you and give you life. It's, it's, a, it's an acknowledgement that I can't do this on my own. There's nothing I can try to achieve or try to understand, but that God has done this for me. And all that's up for me to do is to accept what he has done for me. So that, that's a big struggle, struggle for some of us because some of us are gonna think, well, I just got to figure this out a little bit more. Or you know what? I'm really not that broken. I, I'm pretty good. I can handle this. And I just got to be square up honest with you. Like if I look at your credentials and I look at Jesus' credentials, like I don't think you're a good savior, all right? I don't think you're a good Christ and Lord. Like Jesus has all those. And all he's asking you to do is to be honest that you uh, have offended God, that you are broken. And all he's asking to do is to be your savior, that you trust him to forgive you and give you new life. And so um, my encouragement to you is, is to just take him up on that 
and that this isn't just another Christmas Eve, this isn't just another Christmas, but this is when we finally just start getting honest about who God is and about who you are and what God is offering you through Jesus, all right? And so you might ask, um, because this is really for all of us today, like maybe there's some people here tonight that you've not asked Jesus to be your Savior, Um, but I think there's a lot of us that have tonight already asked Jesus to do that, but we're not enjoying the gift. You know, like it's been a while since we've actually been living by the gift that we've been given. And so you might ask me, well, how can you tell if you've received this gift? I'd say two things. There's a head part and there's a heart part. Like in your head, you've acknowledged Jesus is God. I am sinful. I need a Savior. I believe in Jesus. But, but an evidence for me that that is really grasping your heart would be this question. Like, how, how have you lived this last year? And would you say that there's been a lot of fear and worry and anxiety in your life? Like if that's the case, I think that you're not understanding who it is that came to be God with you. And I, I'm not belittling, like some of us have had some really hard years. I'm not belittling that there's a lot of uncertainty in our world today. There's a lot of ugly things in our world. But if we really understood who is with us, Savior, Christ, and Lord, that he's given us all that he has, and that he wants to take all of our fear, worry, sin, shame, um, I just think we'd live totally different lives if we really believed, like if our head and heart connected, I I think we'd see uh, courage. I think we'd see less worry and fear. I think we'd even see the desire to move beyond ourselves and to help other people that are in need. We would do the same thing that our Savior has done for us, that we would invest ourselves in helping others that don't understand who he is. And so, um, so my, my, I want to close tonight by just giving you a chance uh, to just express um, gratitude and your need uh, to God, the God who came to be Savior Christ and Lord, the God who came to be with you. So let's stand together, and I'm going to ask you to do, and if you're not comfortable doing this, you don't have to, but I just invite you to do this. We'll just close our eyes, and what if we put our hands out in front of us, just kind of like cupped, like we're, we're ready to receive um, a gift from God tonight. And we've been told that this ultimate gift is Jesus, Savior, Christ, and Lord. Let's do two things. Like I realized tonight that there's something we could put in our hands right now that would represent why maybe our hands aren't filled with Jesus right now, aren't filled with the ultimate gift. Like what are some things that could be in our hands tonight that are keeping us from really grasping Jesus, the ultimate gift? Like, guys, I know there's some grief in this room tonight. So maybe it's just heavy with grief tonight. Or maybe there's some doubt, skepticism, or maybe there's some shame about what you've done or Maybe, guys, legitimately, there's just fear for yourself or fear for somebody you really love. Like, and, and, and these things in our hand that I just described are maybe really keeping you from enjoying who Jesus is. And so could you just acknowledge to God tonight, like, God, here's what's in my hands tonight, and I, I give these to you. God, would you take my grief? God, would you take my pain? Would you take my sin? God, would you take my doubt, my fear, my worry? You know what might be in your hands tonight? It just might be just, just hands full of just praise, like gratitude. Like, wow, God, I just look back at the last year, and you have been so 
good to me. So maybe you're just lifting your hands to him tonight saying thank you to him too and being grateful to him. And so with your hands in that position, let me just ask you to do one more thing. Now that those, those things that have kept you from grabbing Jesus, you've just given those to the Father. Could your hands being extended now be an expression of your heart just saying, Jesus, come. Like, Jesus, I need you. And so maybe this is the first night you've ever asked him to do that and just say, Jesus, I receive you. I need you. I'm broken. I need the life you are giving me. So, and then maybe there's a lot of us tonight that you've done that before, but in a fresh way tonight, you need his peace or his presence or his power. So could we just ask him? He's a generous God who has given us his son. And we celebrate that amazing gift tonight. Could your hands extended be an expression to God that you need him? You need his peace. You need his strength. You need his forgiveness. God, I thank you that we are in the presence of a God who is so good, who is so great, who is so generous. And I thank you that you are vast enough to have heard every cry from this room and you're vast enough to have taken away every pain, every sadness. You're big enough to answer every doubt that you want to be with us, you're for us. And I thank you that you have given us through Jesus salvation, power, forgiveness, hope, and life. God, may we be a people that just keep coming back to you day after day, doing what we just did, exchanging our mess and our brokenness and receiving your life. And then God, as we do that, may we be a people that take this life you've given us and share it in a world that so desperately needs to see you. And we love you and we celebrate you tonight. Jesus, Savior, Christ, and Lord. In your great name we pray, amen.